Welcome to episode 5 of the Fasting Well podcast. Today I'll be sharing some beginner success tips. I'll be talking about some major pitfalls or common pitfalls that people run into when they first start with intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating. So the ultimate goal here is to help you be successful from the very start so that you can improve your health and feel better. All the tips that I'll share today are also present on what I call my intermittent fasting checklist. Now that checklist has some additional tips as well, with a detailed description of each. It has 15 total. So there will be an additional six tips on the intermittent fasting checklist. And if you want to get a copy of that, you can go to my website, fastingwell.com checklist. Again, that's fastingwell.com checklist. And I'll put a link in the show notes as well. But let's go ahead and get started. Success tip number one, eat real food. Now this may sound a little out of place because it's not about fasting per se. But I think this is kind of a prerequisite if you want to really improve your health. You also need to think a little bit about what you're eating. And if you do that, you're going to not only improve your health, but also make fasting easier. So what do I mean by real food or whole foods? Well, I don't just mean things you buy at the store called whole foods because they have a lot of junk food too. But what I do mean is think about things that your great-great-grandparents would recognize. What would they recognize as food? Well, I think they'd recognize an apple or a piece of meat, but I don't think they'd recognize a Twinkie or a soda pop or a fruit roll-up, and they'd probably struggle with french fries as well. (laughs) Even though I don't really know when french fries first came into existence, but fast food, for example, there'd be a lot of things they wouldn't really recognize. So think about what you're currently eating, how much of it was crushed up or ground up in a factory, and how much of it comes in a box with a barcode. That's usually a bad idea. So one way to think about this is food is medicine. When you put food into your body, it sends signals to your body, and it actually activates certain genes, that's called epigenetics, and it changes what your body is doing. So if you eat real, whole foods, you send a signal of health. So if you eat whole foods, you're going to make it easier for yourself to get healthier. It'll help control cravings, it'll help with weight management, and it'll help with blood sugar management. All of that, even if you do nothing else, if you don't do any fasting or any exercise or anything, if you just switch to eating real, unprocessed foods, you're going to be a lot healthier and it's going to be a lot easier to do things like intermittent fasting. Tip number two, and this is a really important one, remember to start slowly. I used this comparison in a previous episode, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Think of all the people that make New Year's resolutions every year. Oftentimes they're related to health, whether that's weight loss, working out, or maybe to quit drinking alcohol. But how often do those people stick with those resolutions? Usually they give up within just a couple days, maybe a week at the most, probably 99% of them. I don't know the exact percentage, but we all know from experience that most people don't stick with it. And I think that's because usually they try to do too much, too soon, too fast. And so it's overwhelming and they don't stick with it. But the better way to adopt a new habit or a new lifestyle is to pick something that's pretty easy. Change one little thing and then stick with it for a while. And as you do so, your brain and your body will adapt to it and it will get easier and easier. 
So the example I used in the previous episode was that the very first step you could use would be to stop snacking. If you just stop snacking between breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner, that's a pretty big step towards fasting. You're doing mini fasts in between those meals, and later on you could stop snacking after dinner, and you'd already be doing an overnight fast that would probably last about 12 hours. That's not the only way to approach it, but that's one very effective way to start slowly, start gradually, and get some reps in, get some some experience with fasting. So that's related to tip number three, which is to choose some schedule to start with. And the point I wanted to make here is that not only do you want to make it pretty easy at the beginning, but sometimes people get overwhelmed just because they're analyzing all the different options, and it's called analysis paralysis. So if you're thinking too much about what are all the different ways I could do this, don't worry about it. Just pick something and get started. So an easy way to get started that would be um, a nice gradual way to ease into it would be to just delay breakfast by an hour or two once or twice a week. Or alternatively, you could do the opposite and eat dinner a little earlier once or twice a week. And then after you get some experience with that, eventually you could try skipping breakfast once or twice a week and then gradually do it a little bit more often. So that's how you would kind of ease into it and how you could pick some fairly easy schedule to start with. It doesn't have to be the same every day. A lot of people, for example, do certain fasting regimens on weekdays or on just Monday, Wednesday, Friday or Tuesday, Thursday or or whatever it is, because they have social engagements or other family events and things to consider on some of the other days. But whatever it is, just pick something to start with, and then you'll probably change your mind after a while. For example, when I first started doing fasting for health purposes, the first thing I tried was called the 5-2 diet, which is where two days a week you eat a lot less food, about 25% of your usual calories. And I did that for a while, but then I found that it wasn't a great fit for me. Basically, I was overeating on the other days and kind of getting into this bad cycle, and so I decided to stop that. And then I switched, and I did the ketogenic diet for a while, and I tried some different things. And ultimately, I'm not really that interested in doing the 5-2 diet anymore, but it was an interesting experience, and it helped me get a little more attuned to my body and things like that. Okay, let's move on to the next tip, tip number four. So as I've mentioned in the past, a common reason people get interested in fasting is to lose weight. but From my point of view, weight loss is not the main benefit of fasting. There are a bunch of other health benefits that come along with it. So it's one of those lifestyle changes that's going to make you healthier, help you avoid medical problems like all those complications of diabetes and things like that. And weight loss is just kind of like a side benefit. But if you are very focused on weight loss, here's an important reminder. This is not a diet, and you don't need to count or restrict calories. In fact, if you do try to restrict your calories, it's usually counterproductive. In most cases, when people do calorie restriction diets, they end up slowing down their metabolism. And that's because if you do the same thing every day and you keep doing it, in other words, if you eat 1,500 calories a day when you're used to eating 2,500, then after a while, your body's going to say, hmm, I won't survive if I keep burning the same number of calories, so I have to turn down the metabolism in order to, to stay alive. So that's the problem with doing calorie restriction on a consistent basis. And that's one of the reasons why fasting works better for weight loss as opposed to calorie restriction is because, at least ideally, you're not doing it exactly the same way every day all the time. If your goal is to lose weight, you'll need to change things up periodically so that your body doesn't get into a consistent adaptation to whatever you're doing. So remind yourself, when you start fasting, 
you don't need to count calories. If you do what I said in step number one, or tip number one, and you eat real, whole, unprocessed food, and then you do some fasting here and there, that alone is going to fix a lot of health problems, and probably that alone will be enough to manage your weight. I think for most people, if they were to eat real, whole, unprocessed foods, and do some fasting here and there, weight problems would take care of themselves, even if you didn't give any thought at all to how many calories you're eating. Tip number five, get realistic about weight loss. So this is closely related to the previous one, but the point here is this is not a crash diet, and so don't think of it like, oh, I got to lose 20 pounds in a few weeks. Yeah, it might be possible to lose weight quickly through fasting, but it's generally not the best approach. It's better to get a little experience and start improving the type of food that you're eating and letting your body and mind adjust to this new way of living. And as you do that, you can continue to try different approaches. And what you'll see is weight loss tends to be kind of gradual. There are some ups and downs. You can definitely lose weight through fasting, but expect to have some ups and downs. And if you weigh yourself every day and expect the weight to always be lower than the day before, you're definitely going to be disappointed. So it's better, for most people, it's better not to weigh yourself every day. One effective strategy is to use what's called a rolling average. And that would mean, say, if it was week to week or month to month, you'd be comparing the current week or the last seven days to the week before that. Or you could be comparing the current month, the average of your weight over the current month, to the average of your weight during the month before that. Or you could just be comparing your weight today to your weight 30 days ago, because that's a more of an apples to apples comparison especially for women who have a menstrual cycle and hormonal fluctuations and things like that. So it, in general, it's better not to weigh yourself every day and don't expect weight loss to be a steady, steady downward trend. But think of this as a long-term lifestyle improvement that's going to improve your health and have various benefits, not just weight loss. Related to that, people often talk about non-scale victories. So make a point of thinking about other things, other benefits that you're experiencing when you start improving your health. That could include how you feel, how your clothes fit, and many other things. It's a good idea to keep a journal and kind of keep track of those things. That'll help you remember some of the other benefits that you're experiencing and not just get hung up or frustrated about your weight. Tip number six, talk to your family and set expectations. One of the issues people often run into is They're in a certain routine with their family, and they're used to eating at certain times, and it's part of their family time or what have you. And this is a good reason to think a little bit about what type of fasting schedule would fit into your lifestyle the best. But whatever you end up picking, and remember to start small and start slow, but whatever you pick, talk to your family about it before you start. Let them know why you're doing it and what health benefits you're hoping to get. And if you do that, they'll usually be understanding. And another thing you could do is share some resources with them to help them learn more about it, and then they'll be even more likely to be supportive. For example, you could share this podcast with them. (laughs) That's my vote, obviously. But uh, whatever it is, it's helpful to educate them a little bit, but also share what your goals are and why you're doing it. And if you remember to start slowly, then you're not going to have this radical change to your daily habits, and so it's not going to be that big of a change for them either. It would be if you made a really dramatic change to your schedule that your family would be more likely to have concerns and objections and things like that. So if you gradually ease into it, that's going to help with that as well. 
Tip number seven, make a plan to increase your salt intake. The reason I bring this up is because a lot of people don't realize that they're going to need more salt. Now, here are some scenarios where you probably need more salt. If you cut out processed food, because processed food has a bunch of salt added into it, way more than the amount of salt that you sprinkle on your food. The amount of salt that you sprinkle on your food is just a drop in the bucket. Most people are getting most of their salt from processed foods. So when you cut out the processed foods, you won't be consuming as much salt. And then if you were to eat fewer carbohydrates, like if you were doing a low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diet, you would also be lowering your insulin level. And that's the hormone that I talked about in one of the previous episodes. So when your insulin gets lower, you end up urinating out more salt or more sodium. Salt and sodium I'm using interchangeably because table salt is sodium chloride. And it's the sodium level in your blood that, that is important here. So if your insulin goes down, you pee out more sodium. And so the same thing happens when you fast. If you're fasting, your insulin level will be lower and you'll pee out more salt. So in general, you're going to lose more salt and you may not be consuming as much salt once you start shifting to a healthier lifestyle that includes some fasting. And as a result, you may need to consume more salt in order to feel well, to have exercise tolerance, and just to kind of feel well in general. So you may need to make a point of getting some extra salt, and there are some potential side effects that come with fasting, but getting enough salt takes care of probably the majority of those side effects. So of course, you got to tailor this to your own medical situation. There are some cases where you should be avoiding salt or avoiding excess salt. For example, if you had kidney failure, if your kidneys just don't work anymore, then it would be really important not to get a whole bunch of extra sodium. But If you're relatively healthy and your kidneys are relatively functional and things like that, then it usually makes sense to get some extra salt once you start fasting or when you switch to a low-carb diet. One of the ways that I supplement salt is sometimes using things like bullion cubes or certain types of broth or soy sauce or dill pickles. There are a bunch of different ones, but mainly look for things that are high in sodium that you can kind of use as a supplement. Tip number eight, pay attention to your hunger signals. So I think in this day and age, a lot of people aren't really familiar with what it actually feels like to be hungry. For one thing, we have food pretty much readily available. Of course, I'm not talking about people that may be starving to death in some third world country or homeless people in some cases. I'm talking about most people who have a house and have enough food to eat. We're not really used to what it's like to feel hungry. So I think that a lot of times we assume we're hungry when we feel thirsty or anxious or bored. And then we go and we eat something to kind of alleviate the boredom or to kind of help alleviate our anxiety or or whatever it is. But kind of getting used to practicing what's called mindfulness will help with fasting and help with eating in general. And mindfulness means paying attention and noticing things. So in other words, noticing your thoughts or your emotions, when you, when you feel hungry or you think you feel hungry, pay attention. Pay attention to what's in your brain, what you're feeling in your body, and think a little bit about, is this hunger or is this something else? And sometimes just wait and continue to pay attention to it as opposed to just running and eating something right away. The more practice you get with that, the better off you're going to be. It's going to help with fasting, and it's probably going to help with your life in general, because as you start to learn to pay attention to your thoughts and your feelings, you'll be less likely to be anxious or to to dwell on negative things. 
So I found this to be very useful. Back in 2018, I started doing meditation practice where I would do guided meditations and things like that. And I noticed that in everyday life, I was often able to recognize thoughts and feelings before I started reacting, before I lashed out at someone or whatever it was. I often would recognize those thoughts or feelings as soon as they popped into my head or into my body. And then I could observe them for a moment and then redirect my attention and not have to react to those thoughts and feelings. So pay attention to your hunger signals, and that's a form of mindfulness. Tip number nine, get some training wheels ready. So a lot of people, when they start fasting, they they think they just need to white-knuckle it. And if you start slowly, this may not be much of an issue anyway, but especially if you're going to do, say, a 24-hour fast, then you'd want to have some training wheels ready. What do I mean by training wheels? Well, it's things that you can use a small amount of food or a supplement that'll give you just enough of an energy boost that you won't have to quit your fast. So it would be things like chia seeds soaked in water, maybe some dill pickles, a little bit of MCT oil, a small amount of walnuts or pecans, or a popular one nowadays is ketone supplements where you can take what's called exogenous ketones. Any of those things, if you use a small-ish amount, can give you a little energy boost, can help you focus a little better, and make it easier to get through your fast. Now, don't overdo it. Don't go crazy. And definitely try to avoid things with sugar or sweeteners if you can, because those often stimulate cravings and cause other problems. But it's better to use a training wheel and get through your fast than to quit early. So don't feel bad if you have to use something like a supplement or whatever to help you get through the fast. It's still going to have a lot of health benefits. And it's going to help you get some more experience and continue to get more comfortable, more accustomed to fasting in general. So those are the nine tips. So actually, I'm going to do one quick bonus tip just because I think it's important. And that is make a commitment for at least 30 days. I talked earlier about New Year's resolutions. People get really excited about stuff. They wave flags in the air and then they do it for like two days and then they quit. And so that's really typical with any sort of health goals or diets or anything like that. But if you make a commitment for 30 days, then you'll, you'll be more likely to stick with it. And when I say make a commitment, I mean tell a trusted family member or a friend, have them be your accountability partner, let them know what you're going to do, and then check in with them at least once a week. And if you do that, then you're just a lot more likely to stick with it because you know somebody else is going to potentially hold you accountable. If you want to be even more likely to stick with your commitment, then have a penalty if you don't do it. So in other words, if they check in with you and you're like, oh, I quit, then the penalty could be you have to pay $100 to a charity that you do not support. I've done that in the past and it works well for me. And whether that's working with a family member or if you don't have someone that you would feel comfortable having be your accountability partner, you can also use a website called Stick, S-T-I-C-K-K, double K, at the end. And you do the same thing. You make a commitment on this website. You can have a penalty if you want, and then you check in periodically. They'll send you email reminders um, once a week or at the end of the commitment, whatever you prefer. Regardless of what approach you take, it's important to make a commitment for some duration of time because it's going to take some time for your body to adapt to any new habit or new lifestyle. And so if you just do it for a few days and then give up, You never really had a chance to let your body adapt and to to really see what it was like and to start to experience the benefits. 
All right, so those were the nine beginner success tips for intermittent fasting. Or if you were paying attention, it was actually 10 because I shared a bonus tip at the end. But either way, I think those will be helpful to you if you think about them and take them to heart and take that that kind of mindset with you when you start intermittent fasting. Let me do a quick recap or summary. The first tip that I shared was to eat real food. Eating real food will take care of a lot of health issues on its own and will also make fasting easier. The second one was to start slowly, start gradually so your body and mind can adapt and so that you'll be more likely to be able to stick with it in the long run and be successful with your goals. Number three was to pick a tentative schedule, write it down, and get started. Of course, it's better to pick something that's relatively easy at the beginning so it's not overwhelming. And remember, it doesn't have to be the same every day. So you could even start doing something just one day a week so that it would be extra easy and you can just kind of dip your toe in the water. Number four was to remind yourself this is not a diet and you don't need to count calories. Usually if you count calories or restrict calories, it's typically counterproductive because usually you end up with a slower metabolism, and then if you ever go back to eating the way you did before, you'll gain the weight back even faster. So fasting does not mean restricting calories on a consistent basis, only when you're fasting. Number five was to get realistic about weight loss. Don't expect it to be a steady downward trend, and don't just think about weight loss. Think about other health benefits. Don't weigh yourself every day, ideally, Or if you're going to weigh yourself regularly, use a rolling average. Compare this week to the previous week or this month to the previous month. Number six, talk to your family and set expectations. This will be easier if you're starting slowly with something pretty easy at the beginning because then it won't be some big dramatic change to your routine. It'll just be a small change. But whatever it is, talk to your family. Let them know know what your goals are and why you're doing it and even consider sharing resources with them so they can learn more about it, like this podcast. Number seven was to make a plan about how to increase your salt intake, because most people need to increase their salt intake when they cut out processed foods, when they do a low-carb diet, and or when they do any type of fasting. So it's a good idea to think in advance about how to get more salt so that you'll be more likely to feel energetic and be able to still exercise and things like that. Number eight, pay attention to your hunger signals. In other words, start paying attention to your thoughts and your feelings anytime you feel quote-unquote hungry, because a lot of times hunger is not really hunger. could be anxiety or thirst or boredom. As you get more experience with that, it'll be helpful with fasting and with life in general. Number nine, get some training wheels ready. This is especially relevant if you're going to do a longer fast, longer than just a few hours of the day. You want to have something ready so if you really feel like you can't continue, then instead of quitting, just have a bowl of chia seeds or eat a few dill pickles or have a spoonful of MCT oil or whatever it is. Some little supplement that'll help get you over the hump so that you don't have to quit your fast. So those were the nine tips. But number 10, the bonus tip, was to make a commitment for at least 30 days. Have an accountability partner like a friend or family member, and ideally have some sort of penalty in place if you don't stick with it, so that you'll be more motivated to do it for at least that minimum, whether it's 30 days or 60 days, so you can get some good experience with it and really see how your body reacts. So there you have it. Those are the tips I wanted to share today, the beginner success tips. So especially if you're a beginner with fasting or with time-restricted eating, I think this will be really helpful and help you achieve your health-related goals. If you want to see the additional tips that I didn't mention today, 
go get a copy of my intermittent fasting checklist. You can find that on my website at fastingwell.com slash checklist. Again, fastingwell.com slash checklist. And I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Fasting Well podcast. The Fasting Well podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the need to consult with your own medical providers.